Good morning and welcome to our uh, online worship service this morning at West Covina Christian Church. Next week, Chelsea and I have a special date. Next week is our wedding anniversary. And we'll be celebrating 14 years of uh, blessed married life to get together. And I'm not just saying that. It really has, uh, the Lord has blessed us so many, uh, in so many ways. You know, we look back on it now and we just think, wow, that, uh, that day in July, 14 years ago, was such a wonderful day. We have so many positive, wonderful uh, memories. But leading up to that day, there was a lot of things that, were, that felt like they were going wrong. In fact, it wasn't very much before the day was scheduled that the person who was supposed to officiate the wedding called me and told me that he was no longer going to be able to come. And then the person that was supposed to sing the special music, she was coming, but she didn't want to sing anymore. And we kept getting these, uh, we kept, and so these two people, and, and uh, it just set, felt like things were going wrong. There, and it didn't even feel like for good reason. These were lame excuses, at least from our perspective. And, uh, and yet the, the day came, and everything fell into place. And it was such a wonderful experience. Here's a picture of Chelsea and I coming down. We've kissed each other. We've exchanged rings and vows. And now it's, I got that look on my face. I just want to get, that, get out of there and get to the reception. But it was, a, it was such a beautiful day at the reception. It was, it was an outdoor reception. And it was so beautiful. The full moon. And uh, we had the greatest time. But leading up to the day, I, I was beginning to wonder, how is this ever going to work? The key people involved in the ceremony have said no, that they weren't going to be able to participate. I sometimes wonder how God feels about all of that. Now, obviously, God's got perfection and sovereignty that I can't even begin to grasp. But he has extended that invitation to come and to be a part of his kingdom to participate in, in that, that wedding banquet, so to speak. And how many times have people uh, heard that invitation and said, nope, not coming, I don't, I don't want to be a part of that. In fact, when we read the whole story of salvation in the Bible, we recognize that the first two thirds of the Bible is all about the Israelites. And then when Jesus comes... Not all of them, but the large majority of them say, nope, that's not the Messiah that I want to have. And they reject the deliverer that God has sent. And that wasn't just a first century reality. How many times has that been repeated in the last 20 centuries? And we still see it happening today. Those that hear the good news of Jesus and say, I, I, I want to have nothing to do with that. Well, in Jesus' story, in the Bible passage that we're going to look at this morning, we get a picture of how God feels about all of this. We get a picture in the story of, that Jesus tells in Luke chapter 14. We call it the parable of the great, great banquet. And it's a story about how some have rejected Jesus so that others can be invited in. 
And we're going to consider this story together today. Really where we're picking it up, Luke 14, we're going to start in verse 15. But I've got to catch, catch us up to speed because it's really a continuation of what has just uh, taken place. Where we're picking up in the story, Jesus is now reclining at the table of a Pharisee. Uh, the Pharisees were the religious leaders of Jesus' day, and they were a part of the religious elite. And Jesus has been invited into this uh, Pharisee's home in part because uh, they want to have a good dinner guest to tell them some interesting stories and, uh, and to share with them some things that they would be able to find uh, a conversation around. But Jesus is not such a, the wonderful guest that they th- thought he would be. In fact, he looks around at the table and he sees all of these people, those among the socially elite. There's the mayor and the city manager. There's the rich doctor or banker. And there's the uh, religious leaders, the, the Pharisees. And he looks around the table and he kind of looks at them cross-eyed and he said, how come every time you throw one of these parties... You only invite the cream of the crop, the big wigs in society. How come it is that when you have these parties in your homes that the poor are never invited? That the lame and those that are crippled would not uh, be able to recline at your table? And he begins to tell them, rather, next time you throw a party, why don't you invite not just the top rung, but the bottom rung of society, those that can't invite you back to their house in a couple weeks. And then God would reward you. As you can imagine, this is not a welcome dinner conversation. It's not what they expected or hoped for from Jesus. They were used to people uh, brown-nosing them, kissing up to them, and here's Jesus coming down on them hard. I can imagine the guests begin to poke at the food on their plates and squirm in their seats. And then one of the guests tries to break the tension that's in the air by, uh, by saying something that, hey, at least we can all agree on this. And this is where we pick up in the story, Luke 14, 15. Then one of those at the table with him heard this and said to Jesus, blessed is the one who will eat uh, the feast in the kingdom of God. What he's saying here is, yeah, we've got our differences and you may believe this and I may believe that, but at least we can take, uh, at least we can rejoice that we'll all be together on the last day. And Jesus hears what the Pharisee has to say, or maybe he's not a Pharisee, but he's one of those at the table and he's, and he hears that and he's, and he's almost going to say, hang on, not so fast. Maybe not everyone seated here will be eating the feast in the kingdom of God. And as he oftentimes does when he wants to drive home an important truth, he begins to tell a story. What we have here is the parable of the great banquet. Verse 16 and 17 says, Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests At the time of the banquet, he sent his servants to tell those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. It's a banquet, so it's obviously a very similar situation to what they are participating in right now, sitting in this Pharisee's home. And Jesus 
tells this story about how the servant is now sent out from the owner of the home to gather the, the, those that have been invited. Everything's now ready. The, the socially elite have, uh, have asked to prepare for this time. And now the servant goes out almost like a limo driver to uh, welcome those in and escort them to the, to the party. In the first century, a save the date would have been sent out a long time ago. They know the time is coming, and now it's finally ready. But what happens is that those that receive the invitation are, don't really want to come to the party. Verse 18, we have the first excuse. They all, be, they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Not that I'm in the, in the running, I'm in a bidding war to buy a field. No, I've already bought it. I just want to go look at it. It's a lame excuse. I think back to those excuses that Chelsea and I heard as we were leading up to our wedding day, and we thought, that's so lame. I look at this, I'm like, that's a lame excuse. i got to go see my field. The second person isn't much better. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. I've got these oxen in the back barn. Uh, yeah, they'll be there tomorrow, I know. Uh, but, you know, I'm just kind of antsy. I feel like I want to try them out today. So tell your master thanks, but no thanks. And the third uh, says, I just got married, so I can't come. I don't know what, exactly what the, uh, society, what the cultural, cultural practices were if his wife would have been allowed to come or not. From my research, it probably seems legit that his wife was not able to, to come. But either way, this was a slap in the face. This man has spent months preparing for this banquet. He spent a good portion of his savings to be able to invite all of, the, all of those that are uh, well-respected in society. And every one of them has now come up with a lame excuse and the servant has to uh, cowardly come back, surely with some sort of trepidation to report this. Verse 21, the servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry. And I just almost think that's to say the least. He's furious. He became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly to the streets and the alleys of uh, alleys of, of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, and the lame. Those are the exact same groups that Jesus identified when he was telling the Pharisees to invite those that could not repay him. He's now going from the uh, top ladder to the bottom uh, rung of the ladder. He's saying invite those that, uh, that would normally never be invited to this kind of party. And then the servant says, uh, what you have ordered has been done, but there is still room. In other words, we've invited all of the outcasts. We've, we've uh, uh, searched high and low, but still there's room in the banquet hall. And now the, the master says, go outside of the city limits. I can imagine that the Pharisees that heard this began to think outside of the city limits outside of even the people of Israel, go out into the countryside and invite those that we would never even think about inviting. 
Verse 23 says, Then the master told his servants, Go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house may be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. He is bound and determined to have this banquet. Nothing's going to stop him at this point. But he has, uh, had, he has also had his fill those that were originally invited, if they hear the music and see the dancing, they see the wonderful food that I've prepared and, and how people are enjoying themselves, they see that this is a banquet that they really should have uh, uh, come and been, been a part of. The master says, don't let them in. They've invited, been invited, and they will not be re-invited. It's a story that cuts to the heart of those first hearers. The people of Israel for the longest time were those that thought they were at the front of the line. Starting in the, uh, with the person of Abraham, they have been told that they are God's people and that God would bring his plan of salvation about through them. And now Jesus has come as the long-awaited Messiah the Savior who would deliver Israel not only from her sins but her political uh, foes. And they look around at Jesus and they think, not that guy. He's not my Savior. And what we have here is the beginning of the end. Not that Israel is rejected forever, but because they have turned down the invitation the door is now going to be opened wide. Paul says it this way in Romans 11, verse 25. Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of Gentiles has come in. The hardening of Israel's heart has opened up the door so that the Gentiles could come in. And that means this is good news for you and I. Because at least me and probably you, uh, uh, we are among the Gentiles. And that means it's good news that the doors have been opened up and we can say, I'm invited to the party. In fact, I want to invite you to say that with me right now. I'm invited to the party. I'm invited to the party. That's good news. You've received the invitation. Maybe you felt like you were on the outside. You are not among the socially elite. You are not at the top rung of, of God's plans. That's what you thought at least. And now he's inviting you in. You've been invited in from wherever you were at. Whether you were in the city square or out on the country lanes, you've been invited in. The host in this banquet is bound and determined to fill his banquet hall. And uh, you and, and God in the same way is bound and determined to bring in those that would be a fit into his family. And so I want to talk about that idea of fit versus family. Because there is a difference here. Some of you have heard the invitation and you say, I don't know if I really want to go to that party because I just don't know if I fit in. I don't look the part. Or maybe if you knew my past, you wouldn't uh, be so welcoming. 
But the thing is, none of us quite fit in. In and of our own strength, none of us uh, have lived a, a life that God would say, yeah, you deserve it. No, we are a part of the family. Not because we were born into the right family, but because we have been adopted into God's family. That's the language that Paul uses for the Gentiles, that you have been grafted in, adopted as children. And this is us. We are family. The person that set Chelsea and I up uh, some 14 years ago, over 14 years ago, obviously, because we got married 14 years ago, uh, he and his wife just adopted a little baby from India this past week. Cutest little baby you'd ever see. But when you look at that little baby that's been adopted, you'd think, that little baby doesn't look like she fits into that family. But she is. She's now a full part of that family. One of their children. They will not introduce her any differently than they will introduce her other their other children. And all of us have been brought into God's family, not because we quote-unquote fit, but because he wants to bring us in. One of the first people I ever led to the Lord was a guy by the name of Dale Harley. And I met Dale literally the day after he got out of prison. And he and I started to meet together and he received Jesus as his Savior. I'll never forget the first day that I brought Dale to church. Dale didn't look the part. He had a few too many tattoos. He had long hair that was coming, back, coming down the back of his neck. Now, he didn't drive a Harley, but that was his last name. He looked like he could have driven a Harley. And I just kept uh, thinking, I hope no one looks out of the corner of their eye and uh, makes Dale feel like he doesn't fit in because deep down inside, I knew he was family. When we gather together as a church, we are all family, amen? And may we never make someone feel like they would never, that they would not belong here because all of us have been brought in by the grace of God. God is the Father. He's the, he is the host of this banquet and He invites whoever He wants. And we are His children and that is a blessing to be able to be brought in. One of the truths of this passage is that we ought not wait too long to receive the invitation because those that have rejected it, God moves on from. And uh, I thought about this in relation to my own kids. In, uh, in my family, and uh, some of you may be kids at home watching this with your parents, and I want to just, if you've tuned out, catch up with me here for a second because I want to tell you about Kinsey and Dawson's toys in my family, uh, if our kids, if it's not Christmas or their birthday, if they want a toy, they've got to earn money to get their toy. And uh, so this is a little toy that Kinsey just bought. Do you know what this is? This is a Calico Critters treehouse. And here's Papa Bear. And uh, here's Mama Bear. And here's little Baby Bear. And they live in this Calico Critters treehouse. And I kept telling Kinsey as she's doing her chores, 
you know, don't wait, don't say no to too many chores because if you wait too long, the store might not still have the thing that you want to buy. Dawson loves tech decks. And so these are like little skateboard ramps. And uh, here's his tech decks. Uh, this one says, you dig? That's a good one. This one has a leopard on it. And this one says, it has some tacos. That's my favorite one. I love a skateboard with tacos on the bottom. If I had a skateboard, that's what I'd want on the bottom of my skateboard of some tacos. And now Dawson's always earning money to buy these tech decks. But I tell him, don't wait too long or the store might not have what you want to buy. And you know, I just want to talk to you this morning. If you are watching this sermon, I want to encourage you to receive Jesus as your Savior in your life. You know, you might think you're young and you not, not know everything about the Bible, and that's okay. But you don't want to wait too long. Now is the best time. Just as if you earned your money to go and buy your toys at the store, You want to get there. You're excited. You want to buy the toy and bring it home and play with it. Life with God can be entered into even right now. There's an exciting verse in Luke 15.10. And it says, There is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Isn't that a neat verse? Have you ever thought about that? That there are angels up in the heaven that if you were to receive Jesus into your heart, they would be singing shouts of praise. In fact, parents, you may even just want to pause the video right now and uh, ask your children if they have ever received Jesus and if they would like to do that today. You see, the teaching of Jesus in Jesus here is don't wait too long. Someday the banquet will be held and those that are not uh, in will not be re-invited. You know, as I think about kids, I also think about young adults and teenagers. You, You may be watching this this morning and you may be thinking, you know, I've got my whole life ahead of me. I'm young and I want to have my fun and I want to do the things that I want to do. And and then when I get older, then I'll turn to God after I've done my thing. But I don't want him to cramp my style right now. When I was in college, I had a friend, his name was John Barr. And uh, John was on the soccer team, strong, athletic. He was so much fun. And, uh, and we would hang out, and we had a good time together. And uh, between school year, between uh, uh, one year of school and the next year of school on summer break, uh, he was in a boating accident. And at 19 years old, he died. I would have predicted he'd live till 90 years old. But he died when he was 19 years old. The point that I'm trying to make here is don't think of this as just mom and dad's faith. And don't think that it'll always be available. In fact, the teaching of this scripture, if you take it at face value, is that 
Once the invitation has been rejected enough times, God simply moves on and you will not be re-invited. Now, I believe that anyone has an opportunity to receive God at any point, but, my, but the truth of this passage is that we ought to do it now. And so I want to encourage you to take these things seriously, to wrestle with the truth of this passage. In fact, if you want to have someone to talk to about this, I would love to talk to you. If you are in junior high or high school, the person to really talk to would be Stephen. And anybody can talk to a guy that looks like this, right? (laughs) And Stephen not only has a good time, but he loves the Lord. And uh, he would love to talk to you. The real lesson of this parable for all of us, no matter how old we are, is no excuses. That's the challenge for us today. No excuses. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. And we may read this passage and we think, oh yeah, that sounds all good and the same, but you know, I just can't follow God the way that I want to. And we come up with all kinds of excuses. This passage in Luke 14 wants to challenge us to say, no excuses. I can't get up and uh, read my Bible in the morning because that's an excuse. I can't join a discipleship group or a growth group And we have our excuses. I can't attend the prayer meeting or serve in ministry. I can't witness to my friend. I can't, I can't, I can't. And Jesus is challenging us in this passage. No excuses. In fact, one of the things that we may have learned in this pandemic is that we can do things that we never thought we were able to do in the past. You never thought you could figure out Zoom meetings? Well, Many of us have figured out how to have Zoom meetings. You never thought you could survive the week without going out to eat. We've had to do that. Never thought you could homeschool your kids. I love that picture of that woman just like, ah, I can't do this. Never thought you could wear your mask several hours a day. Uh, Never thought you could work from home. The thing is, there's a lot more that we can do than we think we can. And when it comes to... Uh, spiritual matters, the same is true. No excuses. Make up your mind to be transformed by God. And remember, it's Christ in you. Paul says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so this is my challenge for each of us today, to renew our minds, to make up our minds that we are to follow God. In this passage, there's, many, there's a few people that come up with excuses, excuses around finances. I've got to go and look at my new field that I just bought, or I've got to try out my oxen. Excuses around family. I need to spend time with my, with my wife. And true, finances and, and family are important, and those are a good part of faith but they ought not to come before our faith. In fact, if we were to make a priority list, it ought to go in this order. One, faith. Two, family. Three, finances. Jesus is challenging us. No excuses. Make sure the things of faith come first. 
and put every effort into those things. How, are, how grateful are you that God didn't give up on you? I know I read this passage and I see how the, the host of the banquet just keeps going and inviting others. I'm so happy that he never gave up on me. One old preacher called God the hound of heaven. He just keeps coming after us. I'm so thankful that uh, in my low points, God didn't write me off. In fact, life can kind of look like this graph sometimes. Maybe this is, maybe this is uh, me and this is you. And we, go, we have our ups and downs in life. God surely should have given up on me here and should give up on me here. And God probably should have given up on you here and here. But the good news is that he doesn't. He keeps coming after us. He keeps inviting us in. No excuses. He loves us so much. So now let me wrap up this, uh, this sermon. Just in review, we have three characters. We have the host, and then we have the servant, and we have those that are invited. Now, who are we in this passage? If we're going to wrap this up and have application, who are we in this passage? Well, God is the host. And uh, we surely are those that are invited. And some of us will accept Jesus and others will reject him. But, but praise the Lord that we receive the invitation. And may we be among those that choose to accept and to enter into God's family. We are those invited. But if we, are, if we accept that invitation, then we also become the servant. Those that go out to invite others in. And uh, I just want to encourage us to remember that we, are, that we have the task before us to invite others to come in to live a life with God. Last week I challenged you to pray for two to three people to come to know Christ. How's that going? Did you pray for them this past week? Keep praying. I challenge you again, pray for those that you might be able to give the opportunity to give the invitation. We're not inviting them to something that they don't want to come to. It's a party, for goodness sake. We're not inviting them to a wake or a colonoscopy or a final exam. We're inviting them to God's banquet. It's good news. Jesus says he's come to bring us life and to have it, and that we might have it to the full. And so we ought not to think of this as something that it's a pain to invite someone to, but it's a joy to invite them to come into God's family. One of the things that uh, I'm kind of surprised about during this time of shelter at home is it seems that God is opening up the door for us more and more as a church to reach our neighborhood. Did you know that uh, in July 2020 was the month in which our church moved in to this building in uh, West Covina. And so this July, uh, starting next week, will mark 20 years in this city. God has been so faithful to us. Obviously, I haven't been here for all 20 years. Some of you have. But has not God been so faithful to us? And he is continuing to call us to reach this community. There were miracles around us getting this property. And we'll tell some of these stories over the next month. But there were, there were miracles in how God opened up the doors for us to move here. 
And for this church to be located in this uh, community, and there was a strong conviction among the leaders at that time that we were here for a reason for this community. And I hope that over the course of the next month that our heart is renewed along those lines to be convicted again that God has placed us here to uh, reach this community. We are, as a church, to be God's servants, to go and to gather in those that have been invited by him. May we rejoice in that and may we have gratitude that God has invited us in. Let's close in prayer. Father God, we have this passage before us and I pray that it has truth that sinks into our hearts this morning and just causes us to rejoice. Thank you that you love us so much. Thank you that you are the hound of heaven that has not given up but just keeps inviting us to come in and to live with you. May we rejoice as uh, those invited and in the fact that we now have the opportunity to be among the inviters. We are the servants who are able to call others into this good news. God, thank you that you love us so much. In Jesus' name, amen.